Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Well, today we're continuing a series we've been studying for a while called No More Pain. Has anybody enjoyed No More Pain so far? Amen. We've had a number of stories of people being healed during this time, and I believe that God's going to continue to do that today. And so we're going to start once again in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. It says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Of course, as we've said, so many people are dealing with pain, dealing with sickness and disease in their bodies. That's something that was happening long before COVID, and unfortunately, it's going to happen long after COVID in this world. But that's not God's will for people. God's will is that you live a pain-free life. And so that's what we're helping you do in this series. We're helping you to get a hold of God's Word so you can experience the healing power of God, and you can live life pain-free. So the first week, we've learned that by His stripes, we were healed, so we is healed. We learn that we are already cured by the sacrifice of Jesus. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, you weren't just born again, you were born healed. And then we learn that God is eager for you to experience that. He really, really wants you to live life pain-free. We looked at Old Testament scriptures, New Testament scriptures that prove that to us. Last week, we learned that for you to experience the health God wants you to experience, you have to believe it before you see it. We looked at 2 Corinthians 5, 7, which said we walk by what? And not by what? We walk by faith and not by sight. And so we learn that faith believes what God says in the face of the contrary evidence of the senses. Your body may say something different. Your, your eyes or, your, you know, your, what you touch, what you feel might say something different than what God said, but faith believes what God says instead of what it sees or it feels. In fact, we said it this way last week, faith is a sixth sense. It's a sixth sense. Of course, we know we are senses. You can touch and taste and hear and, and those type of things. But faith is its own sense. It's a spiritual sense. And I came across a couple of great quotes this week as I was just doing my own reading. Uh, it says, this perfume is non-existent to the sense of hearing so what we take by faith, according to Mark eleven twenty four, is at first non-existent to the five natural senses. Think about that. Perfume exists. You can smell it, but you can't hear it. But just because you can't hear it doesn't mean that it's not real, that it's not there. In the same way, you may not be able to feel your healing yet. You may not be able to see it yet, but your faith sense knows it's there. And so you've got to believe what you heard God say rather than what your other senses are saying. Another quote, and this is actually from the book Christ the Healer, is, you do not doubt the existence of what you see because you can't smell or taste or hear it. Then why doubt the existence of what you have taken by faith because you can't yet see or feel it? Same thing. You, you can see something and yet, if you can't hear it or you can't feel it, doesn't mean you don't believe it's there. You know I can see it in the same way I know by faith I have it, whether I see or I feel it. One more quote that I thought was great. To consult our natural senses for evidence that our prayer has been granted is as ridiculous as trying to see with our ears or hear with our eyes. You know, if you're trying to see with this, how I many know you got a problem? Right? If you're trying to hear with this, how I many know you got a problem? In the same way, if you're trying to, to make a decision whether or not you're healed based on what you happen to see or feel, you've got a problem. That's not how this works. Faith works in spite of what you see. In fact, another great quote I came across was that faith only has to do with the unseen and the unfelt. So if you're dealing with the seen and the felt, you're not talking about faith, but you're talking about something else. But God word, God's Word reveals to us, if you're going to receive from heaven, you've got to operate by faith, which means I've got to believe what God said over what I see and what I feel. Of course, we looked at an example of a man in John 4 that did that. He believed without any sense evidence for about a full day, and then he saw that his son actually was healed during that time. 
And then we end it by simply learning that you need to act on your faith by thanking and praising God that you're already healed before you see it or you feel it. So we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5 today. Am I the only one hearing some feedback up here? Y'all hearing that? Yes, no, y'all, y'all okay? Y'all hear me fine? Okay, all right, so I'll just deal with it up here. I'm just like, y'all, it's going, I'm going crazy, no. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Let's go a different direction with this. Y'all ready? It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Be sober. Well, the opposite of sober is drunk, right? If you're drunk, you're not very alert. He's saying be alert, be vigilant, be awake. Well, he, this, this, the fact that he's telling me I need to be alert, that I need to be awake, implies that there's some danger to me. And that's what he's telling us, because your adversary, your opponent, sometimes when we think about the devil, we think about Satan, and the Bible's very clear, he exists. All you have to do is look at the evil in the world, and people blame it on God, but it's actually done by Satan. And all this evil is great proof that he exists. But he's not just God's enemy, he's your enemy. He hates you. He wants to kill steal from and destroy you. And that's what the Scripture is telling us. Your enemy, your adversary, notice it didn't say your adversary, your mother-in-law, your boss, your husband or your wife, the white man, the black man, the Democrat. The Rep I'm going to keep going because we got to get this revelation in. The Republican. Come on, we, we tend to look at people as though they are our adversaries. And the Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, uh, and spiritual wickedness in high places and, and, and spiritual forces of the enemy. And so God's Word is telling us here, you have an adversary, the devil, and as a roaring lion, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. The New Living Translation says it this way, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. A roaring lion a, 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 is a lion that is hungry. And so Satan is hungry. He wants to devour people. He wants to harm people. He wants to destroy people. He wants to do these things to you. And that's why God is warning you, hey, stay alert. Be on the watch because you've got an enemy out there that wants to harm you. Kind of like if you are in an army and, and you're all on the battlefield and you've got to, everybody's got to rest. And so, you know, they all say, hey, we're going to sleep for a while and you need to watch. Well, you have a very important job, right? There's an enemy out there that's going to try to slip in or could try to slip in at any point and destroy all of you. And so if you're alert, you can prevent that. If you're not, well, you all might die and it'll be your fault. And God is telling us, telling us we are in a battlefield right now. That's what planet Earth is. It is a battlefield. And you have an enemy who is always looking to try to harm you. He's always looking to try to harm you. He's always looking to try to destroy you. You know, Jesus said to Peter, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Well, we don't get that today, so let's say it a different way. So he can fill you with holes bullet holes. He wants to fill you with bullet holes. That's what he wants to do to you. And I love the scripture because not only is it a warning that we need to receive, but it talks about the fact that Satan is seeking whom he may devour. And the fact that he has to seek whom he may devour implies there are some whoms he may not devour. That there are some people he walks up to and he goes, I can't get them, and I can't get them, and I can't get them. And the whole point of the scripture is to make sure you're one of those whoms that it can't devour. In fact, one translation, the message translation says it this way, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and will like nothing better than to catch you napping. That's what he wants. He wants to catch you napping and because if you're awake, he can't do to you what he wants to do to you. But if you're napping, well, all of a sudden you are vulnerable and he can attack you. One of the things we can get from this scripture overall is don't get so caught up in this world that you lose, lose sight of spiritual things. 
Don't get so caught up in this world that you lose sight of spiritual things. The Bible talks about being spiritually alert, not allowing yourself to be so busy, so, so distracted by the things of this world, even distracted by enjoying the things of this world. You've got to recognize there is a spirit world that is, that is behind everything that we see and we know and we feel, and there is a spiritual uh, 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 serial killer on the loose ready to take you out and yours out if you are not alert, you're not uh, in a position where you are, are protecting yourself and your life. Now, having said that, I want to take you to Mark chapter 4. In verse 14, and let's just see one of the ways that Satan attacks. One of the things we need to look out for, one of the things that we need to stand against. Mark 4, verse 14, Jesus was explaining a parable that he had just shared with a multitude of people. He says, the sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. So notice God is the sower. He's sowing the word of God as a farmer. He's, he's putting the seed of the word of God in people's hearts. Satan doesn't want that because the word of God is the power of God to whatever you need. When you have the word in you, he can't devour you. So what does he do? Well, with this first group of people, he comes immediately and he takes that word away, and he's able to do it because they're hard-hearted. They won't even listen. But the second group, that's not true about them. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. So they hear, man, God wants you well. You're already healed. And you're, they're like, yeah, I believe that. All right, thank you, Jesus, for that. But they have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. And afterward, when, notice this, affliction, what's affliction? Well, affliction is uh, pressure, it's trouble, it's anguish. Or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended and they lose the word. So notice that Satan uses a different tactic with this second group of people to get them to let go of what God said to them, to get them to get out of faith, he sends affliction. He, sent, he attacks them by causing trouble to come their way. And one type of affliction that Satan sends against people is the affliction called sickness. Let's read Luke chapter 13. Jesus was preaching just like I am right now. I'm going to read verse 11 to you, then we'll jump down to verse 16 to make a point. It says, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having your back so messed up that this is how you had to live for 18 years? I mean, doing this for 18 seconds bothers me. Can you imagine 18 years of this? And so Jesus, of course, heals the woman. The ruler of the synagogue is upset because he healed the woman on the Sabbath day, and that's religious folk for you. They don't care about the results. They just want things to be done their way. Then you get to verse 16. Notice what Jesus said as he responded to them. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, get this, whom Satan has bound. She was one of God's people, a covenant person, a daughter of Abraham. That's what that means. And Satan is the one, Jesus said, bound her, of course, for 18 years. So her sickness came from Satan. Would anybody agree with that? Is that what Jesus is saying? It came from Satan, and Jesus set her free from it. There are many people that believe that sickness comes from God. Some people believe sickness comes from God to teach you something. 
or for God to somehow get glory from it. And, you know, God doesn't need to use Satan's tools to, treat, to teach you his lessons. He gave you the Holy Spirit for that. He gave you the Word for that. God does not use sickness to teach you something or, or to get glory from it. And if you really believe that, as some people, they, they would espouse that and they would criticize a series like this, then why go to the doctor? Aren't you going against God's will, trying to get better? Why go to the hospital? Shouldn't God get more glory from my sickness, from my pain? See, that makes no sense. It's the kind of doctrine that comes straight from the devil because he is a deceiver. That is what he does. You ever walk down the street with a bunch of friends and somebody taps this shoulder and you look over here and then they're over there, right? And you're thinking somebody did it or didn't do it. That's how Satan is. He'll, he'll get, this, get you to look at God and, and he's the one that actually did it. If you've got sickness or disease in your body, Satan's the one that put it there. In Job chapter 2, the Bible talks about Satan putting boils on Job. In Acts 10, 38, it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We can go on and on and on. There's plenty of scripture that reveals that Satan is the author of sickness and disease. And what we're finding out today is that Satan will attack you with sickness and disease. He'll do that to turn you away from God, to turn you away from God's Word, to keep you from experiencing the future God has for you, including a future where you are so healthy and you have such a great testimony that God is able to use you to reach other people for Jesus. So you got to get a hold of that fact that, that the sickness or disease or pain that may be in your body is not from God, it's from Satan. All right, so James chapter 4, verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. Resist. Somebody say resist. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, the problem that many of us have is we've got this scripture backwards. We resist God and humble to the devil. We resist God, and we yield ourselves to whatever Satan brings into our lives. That's a whole other message. Notice what God is telling us here. And he's telling us this. And in fact, let me say it a different way. He's commanding us to do this because we have the ability to do it. What, is the, what, what can we do? We can resist the devil himself. If the devil himself walked into this room right now and, and you could resist him, if he walked into your bedroom and you were the only person there, you could resist him. You have that kind of authority. You have God backing you up. Remember what happened when Jesus sent out the 70? They came back and they said, even the devils are subject to us through your name. And Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. He said, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You have authority over him. And so you don't have to give in to anything he tries to bring into your life. And this scripture is revealing that, that the enemy is going to come against you. He's going to come and try to tempt you. He's going to come and try to make you sick. He's going to come and try to confuse you. Whatever and whatever way he attacks you, resist him. Don't just give in to it. Stand against it. That's what the word resist here means. To stand against, to oppose, to withstand. So God is telling us here that we need to make a decision to resist anything the enemy brings our way. Anything. And if you will resist him, and the idea here isn't one time, it's continual resistance. Every time they try to do something. He tries to attack you. And, you know, I do this in my home sometimes with my dog. Uh, you know, there's two dogs in the house now, and the little dog has food that, that sits out and throughout the day. And the bigger dog, he's always hungry. And so, you know, he's fed multiple times a day. You know, he literally will sit there and lay in front of the smaller dog's food all day, and he'll whine because he wants to eat the smaller dog's food, and I won't let him. But every once in a while, he'll come over there and he'll start to try to do it. And I'll be like, no, get back. And he'll, you know, chill out. And then he'll look around. And a few minutes later, here he come again. No, get back. 
So I just, I never let him eat that food. Not when I'm in the room. Now, he does do it sometimes when I'm not around. But the idea is I constantly resist that because that's not his food. And we need to treat the devil like that. He's going to keep trying to come with some sickness. He goes, no, I'm not having that. Nope. Go. He's going to come back and get another pain. Nope, I'm not having that. He'll do that with strife in your home. And you know, no, no, you can't have that. You've got to resist him continually. And the Bible tells us, which is really amazing here, if you resist the devil, he will flee from God, from Jesus, from the angel he sees behind you. He, no, 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 he will flee from you. And the word flee here means to run away, to escape. I believe the original Greek talks about to run away as if in terror. Satan is afraid of you. As long as you know who you are and you'll stand against him, he wants nothing to do with you. But if you're somebody that doesn't know who you are or will just give in to his attacks, well, then he's going to come and take whatever he can take from your life. You know, ladies, if you're walking down the street and some guy runs by and grabs your purse, what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit there and let them take it? I know the ladies in my life, that ain't happening. They're going to hold on to this thing. They're going to yell. They're going to kick. They're going to do something. They're going to call, resist the devil right then. Come out of him in Jesus' name. Come on now. They, you're not just going to give him what belongs to you. And we got to be the same way when it comes to our health. We can't just give him our health. Jesus paid the price for us to walk in health. By his stripes, we were healed. So when he comes to attack us with symptoms, symptoms of sickness and disease, we need to resist him. Somebody say resist. Luke chapter 4 and verse 7 gives us, gives us an example of Jesus doing this. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus went into the wilderness, and he's being attacked by Satan. He's tempting him in this case, trying to get him to lay down all that God has given him. And so in verse 7, of course, uh, verse 6, I believe, Satan tells him, hey, why don't you bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus, in verse 7, says, in fact, we'll read verse 7. Therefore, if you'll worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan. Come on, you need to add that to your vocabulary. Every once in a while, you need to say, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes we do this when it comes to, to men and women. The right, wrong guy approach you, get behind me, Satan. Right? We need to do that about Satan and disease. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written... You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So Jesus didn't just resist him, he attacked. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 shows us something about the armor that God has given every Christian. And every piece of that armor is actually defensive. It's to protect you from Satan's attacks except for one. Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you have available to you the sword of the Spirit. So when Satan tries to attack you, you need to open your mouth. When those symptoms come against your body, you need to open your mouth and say, no, I resist that by his stripes, I am healed or whatever scripture God has given you, and it is a sword because it will cut the enemy. So like any other enemy, if he gets cut enough, he's walking away. And that's what we need to do when those symptoms come against our body. We, 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 we can't just, our bodies, we can't just accept it. Oh, I got a headache. Oh, it must be flu season. Oh, it's, the, it's allergy time. Oh, oh, you know, the doctor said this and my mama had this and my grandfather had. No, 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 no. Jesus bore my sickness. He carried my pain. I'm not having this. Get out in Jesus' name and attack the enemy with the word of God. So I tell you, I listen to Dad Hagen a lot. The last couple of years, God has got, taken me back to listening to Kenneth Hagen uh, on healing, and I probably listen to that more than anything else. And so I was listening to him tell this story about this man who had a really bad case of arthritis, and he had it, if I remember correctly, for over 20 years. And he came to one of Kenneth Hagen's meetings, and he was healed, totally healed. 
able to move and do everything that he couldn't do. And so Kenneth Hagin said, you know, one day he was, you know, out and about, and he just decided to come, you know, stop by this guy's, his farm. And, you know, it had been about eight months since the man was healed. And so when he got there, the man was milking a cow or something. And so, you know, the man saw him, and he started to get up. And when he started to get up, he could barely get up. It was obvious the arthritis had come back. And so, you know, Dad Hagin says, well, what happened? And the man says, I don't know, just about three days ago, all the pain just came back, and I'm back to where I was, if not worse. And, and as they began to talk, Dad Higgin finally mentioned this to him. He said, let me tell you what happened to you. A couple days ago, you had a pain come back. And you said, oh, I, guess, I thought I was ill, but I guess I'm not. And the man said, that's exactly what I said. How did you know that? And he said, and, at the, and since that moment, all of the symptoms came back. He's like, that's right. And he asked him, and he said, well, when you were healed, before that day, did you have arthritis for 20-some years? He said, well, yeah. And on that day, and up until a couple of days ago, were you pain-free? He said, yeah. Why on earth then would you accept the thought that you thought you were healed, but you guess you aren't? You were healed. But Satan came and attacked you with a pain and a thought, and instead of resisting it, you accepted it, and he came right on in and took everything over again. And see, these spiritual things are real. If you decide to accept what Satan has put on your family, what the doctor has said, what's even trying to be in your body right now, then you will have what you accepted. But if you resist it, Satan can't do anything with you, but you need to resist. Somebody say resist. Yes. You need to resist anything that comes from the devil. And when you resist him, his goes with him. His sickness, his disease, his pain, they go run away as well. And I want you to know sometimes that what Satan does is he doesn't just attack you with pain, he attacks your thoughts. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Y'all real quiet today. I don't know if it's just me or... All right, so... 1 Peter 5, let's go back there for a moment. Yeah, help me out a little bit. Remember verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 tells us what to do when the enemy comes against us. Whom, what's that word? Whom what? What's that word again? Whom what? Whom resist. There it is again. Stand against them. But notice resisting doesn't work simply by your will. You know, in sports we like to uh, give praise to athletes who have a great will to win. I was never a big Michael Jordan fan, but that's what he was well known for. Isaiah Thomas, well-known for a will to win. Jimmy Butler right now, you know, maybe not the most talented superstar, but the guy just has a will to, he just refuses to lose. And that's a great thing to have. You need that kind of determination. But your will alone won't stop sickness from coming on your body. It won't stop the enemy from attacking you. Because your power alone isn't good enough. You've got to tap into a higher power. God's power. And that's why you resist him steadfast in what? Faith. Faith, what do you mean? What's faith? We define it as 100% confidence in God. I am resisting him totally confident that God will back me up, that God's power will step in and push the enemy out of my body, push the enemy back. I'm totally confident that when I decree that I'm healed, that I will see that I'm healed. Right? That's what you have to do. You have to resist him believing that when I say it, I will have it. That when I say it, God will do it. That when I say it, sickness will flee. But the key is you got to believe it. And sometimes we do it first, but you can't just do it and then kind of lose it. You got to do it steadfast or stiff 
or stable in your faith. So you have to be an individual who does not give in because something didn't work right away. You can't do what that guy did where you feel a pain and go, well, I guess that didn't work. Well, you're still coughing and you're still dealing with this, you're still dealing with that. Well, I tried it. Faith is not something you try. Can I, can I pull out my Star Wars fandom for a moment? It is do or do not. There is no try. Now all the Star Wars fans get there. Everybody else is like, what's he talking about? Yeah. We're going to have to get you saved. No, I'm just kidding. Come on, faith, there's no try. You either do it or you don't. And when you do it, you got to make the decision that I, that I believe it is done. I'll tell another Kenneth Hagin story. I think I told you guys this one before, but, uh, you know, he talks about the fact that Jesus appeared to him, put his finger in both of his hands, and told him when you lay hands on people, they're going to be healed. And he told him if you put your hand in the front and the back of a man and you feel fire going from the front to the back, that's a demon spirit in that man. Cast it out. So he said he was in a service. This guy came forward. He had tuberculosis. Tells you how long ago this was. He was like a stiff as a board. Dad Hagen went to lay hands on him. He felt that fire go back and forth. And he said, come out of him now in Jesus' name. And then he told the man, see if you can bend over. And the man couldn't. So he, he went back and he did it again. He, he felt that fire. He said, come out in the name of Jesus. And, and, and the, the man still stood there. He said, go ahead and see if you can bend over. The man couldn't. Well, he had a lot of people to lay hands on, so he said, all right, well, go ahead and take a seat. And he said as he, you know, turned to the pulpit, he saw Jesus standing there. This was clear as day. And he didn't look happy. And Jesus, you know, said to him, didn't I tell you that when you lay hands on an individual, when you do what you just did, they will be healed? And he said, yeah, I know you told me that, Jesus, but I did what you told me, and it didn't work. And Jesus said, but I said it would. And he said he got it. And he told the man, come back up there. He put his hand on his front, put his hand on his back, felt the fire go from one to the back. said, God, demon, I told you to get out of here. You are gone. Then he told the man, bend over, not try to bend over. Man bent over was completely healed. With faith, there is no try. It is do or do not. Once you take a position of faith, you need to be steadfast in your faith. You need to decide that I've already spoken. Come on, it's like your kids saying, Mama, why, why, why can't I do this? Because I said so. Sometimes you got to tell the devil, I already said so. I told you to go. You are gone. Sickness, I already told you to go. You, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how I feel. I don't care if they say I'm going to die tomorrow. You're gone. I'm healed in Jesus' name. You got to take that position and be firm in that. You got to decide to be steadfast in your faith. I love what Kenneth Copeland said. He said to be determined. You have to be determined that whatever happens, the devil is not going to put you down. There is a determination to this. There is a part of this where you got to be tough. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says it this way. He says, wherefore, take on you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Stand, therefore. I mean, he says stand three times. Sometimes you got to stand. Sometimes there's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to do. I'm just going to stand on God's word. It's like I'm almost taking my Bible and standing on it and saying, I know what God said, and I'm standing on that, and I believe it, and I don't care what I see or how I feel or what somebody says. I will have what God said. That's resisting instead of yielding to the symptoms that Satan's trying to bring against your body. You've got to do that. In fact, Ephesians 6 verse 16 says this, above all, taking the shield of faith. Not dropping the shield as soon as I feel an extra pain. Taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all. Somebody say all. 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 What, but what if it's AIDS? All. But what if it's COVID-19? All. But what if everybody in my family had it? All. But what if my head is pounding right now? All. 
all the fiery darts, all the sicknesses, all the diseases, all the pains of the devil. You can stop it all when you take the shield of faith. Resist in faith. Sometimes you got to do what, what Paul did. In Acts chapter 28, Paul had just came out of a hurricane, a shipwreck. God had protected him. God had delivered him. And, and so, of course, the enemy attacks again. Anybody ever had that experience? It's like God did this and God did that. And I'm like, I just want to take a moment to breathe. And the enemy's like, nope. My sister likes to call them stack attacks. You don't just have one thing happen. You had about four or five things all happen at the same time. The good news is there's some stacked blessings too. God hits you again and again and again. That's what God says is going to happen this year, right? We're still getting double for our trouble. Anybody getting double for your trouble this year? God's going to restore. He's going to repay. He's going to exceed even what you thought. Well, that's what happened to Paul, though, man. He, 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 he survives the hurricane. He just survives the shipwreck. They're on this island, and he's just helping out. And so he's getting, you know, wood for the fire. And when he gets the wood and puts it on the fire, this uh, snake comes out and bites him. And this snake is so venomous, it's so dangerous that when you're bit by it, you die almost instantly. So the men who were there that were from that island, when they saw this, they thought, man, he must be a bad man. He must be a murderer or something. Because look what happened to him. And you know, people would do that with you bad things that happen to you and people that judge you. Well, he must be this or she must be that for all of that to happen to them. No, not necessarily so. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes that's God's man or God's woman. And what you're watching is a fight. Come on, it's game seven today in the NBA playoffs, right? I don't know about some of y'all, but I'm looking forward to watching game seven right? And, and sometimes that's what happens in life. You got a good team, and you got another good team, and they're about to duke it out. And sometimes what happens to believers is that somebody's walking with God, and God's doing great things, and God's working on something. And so the enemy raises up, and he fights against them, and you look at that and go, well, they in a game seven. They must not be that good. No, it's because they're that good. You're under attack because of who you are. So people will judge you, and I've learned that myself. People will judge me based on what they think is going on because they don't recognize that we have an enemy who will attack you in, in unfair ways when you're doing something great for God. So don't you let that stop you. Don't you dare give up on what God has said to you or what God has called you to do. Don't you allow what other people think or say about you to get in the way. You push the enemy down and you keep on doing the will of God and everybody else will figure out eventually what God has done in you and through you. That God is for you. Well, Paul was bitten by that snake. You know what he didn't do? Panic. He didn't panic. He started asking questions. The Bible says he just shook it off. It went in the fire. He kept on moving. Eventually, they looked at him and said, oh, he's not a murderer. He's a God. That's why you can't pay attention to people's opinions. Because one minute, they will praise you. The next minute, they will stone you. Paul saw that. One minute, they will bow down before you. The next minute, they will crucify you. Jesus saw that. So that's what's happening in your life. Don't worry about it. You got good company. They thought he was a murderer, and now he is a god because this thing that should have killed him didn't even hurt him. And sometimes symptoms of sickness or disease will come against your body, and what you really need to do by faith is just shake that thing off. Just keep on moving. Open your mouth, say what God said, and thank God that you are healed. In fact, one of the things I, I wrote in my own prayer journal is every time a pain comes against my body, open your mouth and say, by his stripes, I was healed. See, that's the sword of the Spirit. That's the scripture God gave me to hang on to. By his stripes, you were healed. So when, that, when I feel that or I'm, I'm aware of that, I, I've been trying to train myself to open my mouth instead of thinking about it and dwelling on it, open my mouth and say what God said and keep doing that and keep doing that, and that'll shake off what Satan's trying to do in my body. Same thing is true for you. All right, let's go another level. Y'all okay? Y'all, now y'all listening good, and I still got to have the message. I ain't going to preach all of it, but I, I do want to 
to get this to you. Somebody say resist. Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now sometimes the sickness or the pain does not leave immediately. Right? Or sometimes the healing doesn't appear instantly. And when that happens, you've got to do what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about. If we were to look at verse 17, Paul talks about when tough times come. And in verse 18, he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. We look not. So during times of trouble, you need to look not. You know, some people really don't like having their blood taken. I've, of course, got three daughters, so I've been there for all of them getting blood taken. And two out of the three hated it. And the youngest didn't hate it, but, you know, she was probably the toughest when it came to it. But one of the things that the doctor would say to them is, don't look at the needle. And when it comes to circumstances in your life, you need to make a decision to not look at the needle. To not focus on the negative things that you're seeing or, what you, or you're feeling. Because what you look at matters. What you focus on matters. And that's what this scripture is referring to. It's referring to what you focus on. So this is a choice. You can choose to focus on what you're feeling, or you can choose to focus on what God said. And it's not easy, but everybody can do it. Everybody can do what he just said. Everybody can decide to not look at what's going on in my body, and instead to look at the unseen. Look at what I can see with the eyes of faith. Look at what I can see even in the eyes of my mind. Look at what God said, by his stripes you were healed. Versus looking at how I feel. You see, the things which are unseen are the things that the, God, the Bible tells us about. And, and we've already talked about how faith is your sixth sense. So, so God is telling you to operate according to your faith. Focus on what your faith is built on versus on what you're feeling. Why is this so important? Because you need to change the way you also think about your body and your health. It's important to believe the right way, but it's also important to think the right way. Let me read to you from uh, this book, Christ the Healer. I'm going to read to you from a, about this just for a moment. He says, God works while we maintain the mental habit of faith. Notice that statement. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, at God, at his promises, at, at his faithfulness, at his justice. You see, faith has to do with the unseen and unfelt. As soon as what we have taken by faith is manifested to the senses, it ceases to be faith. Get this. No person who allows his mind to be ruled by his senses can have victorious faith. The mind that is ruled by the senses lives in a realm of uncertainty. Until God's Word gains mastery over your mind, your mind will be swayed by feelings and by things you see or hear rather than by the Word of God. The mind and thoughts of those seeking healing must be renewed so as to be brought into harmony with the mind of God as revealed in the Bible and pointed out in, in, in healing scriptures. Faith for God's promised blessing is the result of knowing and acting on God's word. The right mental attitude or the renewed mind makes that steadfast faith possible to all. And there's something here. I love that statement. No person who allows his mind to be ruled by the senses can have victorious faith. So I need to not just make sure the Word of God is in my heart. We started this series talking about that. But I really need to make sure that I'm even thinking according to the Word of God about my body. I can't sit around and keep thinking about my symptoms, thinking about what the doctor said, 
seeing myself as sick. I need to do the opposite. I need to have a renewed mind. That's what Romans 12 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. That word renewing means the renovating of your mind. You need to change some of the furniture around in your mind. You've got some old furniture that's been there for a long time that's told you you're going to be sick all the days of your life, and, and you need to renew that and get that stuff out and get some new furniture in that says, no, you're already healed. You need to think. You don't just need to believe that way. You really need to think that way. Can I prove that to you? Romans chapter 4. Somebody say resist. And one of these we're resisting are not just symptoms, but even thoughts of sickness and disease. Often what Satan does in your life starts with a thought. We get that when it comes to temptation. But symptoms of sickness and disease is just another form of temptation. You're just being tempted to accept something that Jesus did not buy you. Romans 4, this is talking about Abraham. Who against hope believed in hope. I love how the message translation says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. So I really like the idea of the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11, faith champions. That's what the Bible's telling us here. It's telling us about a faith champion, and you can be a faith champion too, the kind of person who, in spite of what you're seeing or feeling, believes anyway. Abraham did. Going back to the King James, he says here, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, ooh, notice that, being not weak in faith, having feeble faith, the kind of faith that can just barely hang on, the kind of faith that as soon as some, some opposition comes, disappears, the kind of faith that drops the shield almost immediately. Instead of having that kind of faith, Abraham considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, so he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham was almost 100 years old. At that age, he knew his body couldn't produce a child, and he could feel that every day. Then he had a wife who was almost 90 years old, whose body couldn't produce a child. And on top of that, they had gone through decades of trying to have a child, and they weren't able to do it. So they had decades of experience at failing. And here comes God saying, y'all about to have a baby. And Abraham had to make a choice. He had to decide to believe what God said instead of what he could feel in his body and what he could see in his wife. And how do you do that? How do you do it when you feel the symptoms in your body all day? And every time you see your wife, you see what God, the opposite of what God said. Abraham considered not. The word consider here means to observe fully. Another way of saying that is Abraham chose to utterly ignore the symptoms. And that's important because if you decide to focus on the symptoms, then you will become weak in faith. Do you see it? If I keep thinking about it and I keep looking at it and I keep talking about it, I might have believed, but after a while, I'm not going to believe anymore. Remember the story of Peter walking on the water? Jesus is walking on the water. Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Jesus says, come. He gives one word. That's enough for faith. Peter steps out of the boat, and he walks on the water to go to Jesus. Would anybody agree he was in faith when he was walking on the water? But what's the next thing that happened? He saw the wind and the waves, that they were boisterous. And all of a sudden, he went from faith to fear. Because he was focused on the wrong thing, he became weak in faith, and then he lost his faith. So what he was focused on, what he was thinking about, played a major role in what he actually believed. Abraham did the opposite. 
he was in a situation where he could feel it, he could see it, it he could, everything in his life said there's no way this is going to happen, but instead of focusing on the wind and the waves, he decided to focus on what God said, and God helped him. He said, look at the stars, so shall your seed be at night. Look at the sand, so shall your seed be during the day. When you say your name, say I am the father of many nations. And so at night, he looks up and he sees what God said. And during the day, he looks down and he sees what God said. When he opens his mouth, he's saying what God said. When he calls his wife's name, does God change her name too? He's saying what God said. Because his focus was on what God said, he was strong in faith. Instead of staggering and becoming somebody that begins to sink and misses out on what God had for him, he was giving God glory and praise for the impossible, for what he could not feel and what nobody else could see because he was focused on what God said. You can't think about your symptom. You can't talk about your symptom. You got to stop going through all these machinations, trying to figure out what's going on. You got to make it decision that I'm not thinking like that and I'm not talking like that and I'm not focusing on what the doctor said. I'll get the information. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but there's a higher law at work here. It's the law of the word of God and I'm going to focus on what God said. I'm going to think what God said. I'm going to say what God said. I'm going to praise God for what God said. And when you do that, the sickness has to go because God will back you up because now you are in faith. You're a faith champion. That is what God wants you to do. Consider not. Just believe and think like that. Talk like that. Praise like that. Can I show you another one real fast? John chapter 11, there was a dead man named Lazarus. It's one of Jesus' friends. Jesus had been told about it. There's some things we can teach about what happened there, but bottom line is that when he got there, the man had been dead for four days. So when he arrives, you know, one of Lazarus' sisters says, man, if you were here, you know, I know you could have healed him. You could have saved him. And Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you if you believe you'll see the glory of God? So he's already in a whole different realm. The man is dead, and she's acting like it's over, and he's like, it's not over. Some of us need to have that same mentality. It ain't over. I don't know what area it is in your life. Some, I'm talking to somebody in here by the Holy Spirit. It ain't over. It ain't over. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. I might be talking to myself by the Holy Spirit. Come on now. It ain't over. So he tells, he has her take him to the tomb, and he says, roll the stone away. And she says, by now he stinketh. So she's, in a, she's not where he is. And verse 41 says, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. What? You have heard me. This man is still sitting in this tomb dead. This situation is dead. But Jesus knew he had already prayed. He believed God had already heard him, and it was already done. So he was talking like that, and he was thinking like that, and he was acting like that. He's praising God. For something that on the, in the natural hasn't happened yet. Verse 42, he says, I know that you always hear me, but because the people who are standing by have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And now when he has said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Then Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. I guess so. I believe in him too. What happened here? Jesus was at a staring at a dead man, thanking God that he was alive. He thought like he was alive. He talked like he was alive. He prays like he was alive. I mean, oh, that's the formula for miracles. I love one translator says about Abraham. He plunged into the promise. At some point, you've got to sell out 
into faith. Faith will make you feel like and even look like you're crazy. You got to be okay with that. Walking on the water, that's crazy. Parting the Red Sea, that's crazy. Raising the dead, that's crazy. Fighting Goliath, that's crazy. Come on, you think about any miracle that was done, that's crazy. If you ain't got a little crazy in you, I question your faith. There should be some crazy going on in your life. There should be some people look at you and go, that's crazy. And you go, you know what? It seems crazy until it happens. And when it happens, you realize it ain't crazy. It's crazy faith in the most high God. And you need to get into that place when it comes to your body. But they said, I have this the rest of my life. I don't even have it now. But that's crazy. They said, I'll never walk again. Guess what? Not only will I walk, I'm going to run. Well, that's crazy. Well, they said, I can't straighten my arm. Guess what? I will straighten my arm. What? That's crazy. No, that's faith. God's going to do it. Come on now. you got to take that position. Plunge into this thing. It's not till you sell out to your faith that you'll see faith will make you whole. So when symptoms come against your body or if they're in your body now, think differently about it. Think what God said. Think that. Train yourself to think what God said. When negative thoughts come, how do you fight thoughts? You don't fight them with thoughts. You fight them with words. So when those thoughts come, nope, I resist that. I'm by his stripes. I am healed. You feel that pain? Nope, I resist that. By his stripes, I am healed. And they say, well, you know, you know you got this problem. Nope, nope, I resist that. By his stripes, I am healed. I'm not trying to be. I'm not going to be. I'm not hoping to be. I'm already healed. I'm already cured. I, I, when I look in the mirror, I don't see a, a sick man. I see a healed man. Think like that. Talk like that. You'll continue to believe like that. And then you will have that. Amen. I'm out of time. I went way out of left field. But y'all get anything out of this? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Every head bowed, every head closed. No, just lift your hands toward heaven for a moment. Lift your hands toward heaven. Let's just praise God that you're healed right now. I'm in a room full of healed people. What a testimony you all have. What a testimony you're going to share. I was thinking about that driving in the day. I was thinking, Woo, the testimony that I'm going to share about me and, you know, one of my family members. I was like, woo, I cannot wait. I'm looking forward to pulling out some film, putting it up on screen and saying, this is what the film said, and this is what God did. Come on now. And I ain't the only one in this place. Come on now. Thank God that you already do it's already done. It's already done. Come on, praise God. Dive into faith right now. You tried other stuff. Try God. Come on now. Give God glory and honor and praise that you are whole. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're healed. We're cured. We believe that because you said it so. We see it with the sixth sense, the eye of faith. And we thank you for it. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. And since we're healed, that's how we think from now on. That's how we talk from now on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. At some point, you got to get to that place where you give glory to God. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body, renewed my mind. He rescued me just in time. Oh, I got to praise his name. Look what the Lord has done. I don't talk like I'm in it anymore. Like I don't talk like I'm in school because I used to be. But now I'm not. 
I used to be in pain, but now I'm not. That's how I talk. That's how I think. That's how I praise. Thank you, Lord. Look what the Lord has done. Glory to God. Now every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Just pray in the Spirit for a few moments. I, I, I want to make sure I'm following the Holy Spirit, not just following a program. Just pray, pray, pray. If you don't know how to pray in the Holy Spirit, ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. He'll do it, and then just start praying in tongues. You'll see He'll do it. It's that simple. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I believe your healing power is flowing in this place right now. It's flowing online right now. People are sitting on their, on their couch right now getting healed. Lift your hands toward heaven. That's you I'm talking about. Just say, I take it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's healing in the house today. No more pain. Huh. We can all walk out of this series declaring we have no more pain. What if we feel it? Doesn't matter. We know the truth. You got no more pain. You got no more pain. From now on, talk like that. I have no more pain. Think like that. I have no more pain. Praise like that. Stay steadfast in faith. This is a pain-free church. Glory to God. Look what the Lord has done. That's that. All right. <laughs> Hold on to that. That's what the Spirit of God wanted me to say right there. Hold on to that. FX Church is a pain-free church. It's a pain-free church. We don't have pain around here. We don't have pain. We don't have sickness. We don't have disease. We believe God, what God said. We're healed. We're cured. We're pain-free. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. God is brilliant. Look at you, Lord. Amen. Go ahead and praise him for him for a moment. Praise him for it. Thank you, Jesus. You're a consuming fire. A healer. A deliverer. We love you, Lord. And now every head bowed, every head closed in prayer. Someone may say, I've never chosen to follow Jesus. I, you talked about being born again and all these things that belong to people that are believe in Jesus. And I've never actually made that decision. I never chose to follow him. You know, God loves you more than you can understand. What we talked about today is just a sliver of what he's made available to you. Life with him is the prize. This is just one of the benefits. God wants you to say yes to him. He wants you to begin to follow him. We want to help you make the greatest decision of your life today in choosing to do so. Someone else may say, I've chosen to follow him, but somewhere along the lines, I just got away from God. Some people call it being backslidden. The Bible teaches us that if we as believers confess of our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will forgive you and cleanse you, put you on the right path. And that begins with you just simply making the decision to come home to him. We'd love to help you with that as well. And so as every head is bowed and every eye is closed in prayer, I gave two simple invitations. The first, to choose to follow Jesus, to give him your life like he gave you his, to make sure heaven's your home. The second, to get right with him or come home to him. If either one of those invitations apply to you today, if you want to say yes to God concerning either one of those areas, I want to encourage you right now to be bold and to slip up your hand. Go ahead, lift your hand now. I'm talking about you. Even if you're online somewhere, 
Lift your hand so heaven knows that you're ready to make this decision. Jesus said, if you'll stand before me, you stand for me before men, I'll stand before you or for you before my Father in heaven. So just lift your hand. If you raise your hand or you know that you should have raised your hand, I want to ask you to do something else as well, and that is to pray this prayer with me from your heart, and I'm going to ask everybody else to do it with you as well. So repeat after me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today to give you my life. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I confess with my mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. I repent of sin. I'm sorry, Lord. I turn away from it and I receive you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer, for answering my prayer, and for saving me now. And Father, we thank you for those that have prayed this prayer for the first time and others who have come home to you. We thank you that because of their decision, they're part of your family now, which means all of your benefits belong to them. So we ask that your power work in their lives, bringing them victory in whatever situations they're facing, that your healing power flow on their bodies, driving out every sickness or disease that they may be facing. Father, we pray that you help them to know you more and more, to enjoy the joy that comes from being in your presence every day. And we give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give a round of applause to those that made that decision today. Great, great decision. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.